All right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 15. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Man, couldn't we spend about a month on that? Give as freely as you receive. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a, with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a to be a, a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it's not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. What do you say we just pray and jump into this? I got lots to say. I have more to say than I actually came prepared to say uh, with my handwritten notes. But Will you do me a favor? Would you pray that God talks to you the same way he talked to me? That's all. I'm not asking you to remember what I preached. I'm not asking you to remember all my points. Just would you pray, just God, whatever you want to say to me, would you let my heart be open to it? Whatever, whatever you gave the pastor that he thinks that he needs to impart to, to, to us, will you please let me hear what I need to hear? Is that fair? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And God, most of all, thank you for your presence that we feel in this place. Jesus, as we continue our sermon series, God, let it be more than just talking about you. But let your presence permeate our atmosphere. God, let the words that I speak be anointed by you. God, change us. We don't want to just believe, God. We want to belong. And help us today to go another step from organized to organizing. Help us to be a church in action. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So you know I got to ask, how's the New Year's resolutions coming? How about your spiritual resolutions? Did you keep them? Did you even make them? Because I'm all for it. If you want to get, you know, if you want to save money this year, save it. If you want to get fit, get fit. If you want to work on this, work on work whatever you want to. But if you haven't made any spiritual resolutions, I would advise you to make some now. And our first sermon series of 2021, we were talking about how we can continue to make progress in our journey of faith. We're talking about who we are becoming, which is an action word. I don't think we ever reached that destination. I think we're just on that journey together. We talked last week about the shift an emphasis from believing to belonging, that it's no longer a matter of just believing in God, but the more important part is belonging to him. And today's journey is from organized to organizing. Now, I can tell you right away that I don't like this topic because I love being organized. Um, I alphabetize my to-do list. I separate my M&Ms by color. I like being organized. I just, I, I do. It makes me itchy when, when stuff's not organized, which is funny because it, it, they paired Dr. B and, and me together, and I want to talk about the order of service. I want to talk about what we're going to do and what this, this, and Rick's just like, just go with it, bro. 
It's like, no, doc, I don't fly that way. We go, let's talk about it. He said, bro, let's just see what God wants to do. That's great. But what happens if God don't show up? What are we going to do? Uh, so I want to plan and I want to talk about things. And Rick is just, which seems different. You would look at our personalities and you would say that I was not the organizer. You would say that the doctor was the organizer, got everything. But when we come to personalities, he's just like, bro, let's just go with it. Bro, let's just go off the cuff, which is great. But I like to be organized. I want to know these things. So there's, there's nothing wrong with being organized. There's nothing wrong with it unless it gets in the way of living out our faith. And for a long time, that's been one of the church's biggest problems. When I say church, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the church in general. Of course, the church didn't start out this way. In its conception, the church wasn't an organized institution. The church was a movement. The early church didn't have boards and ministry teams. You didn't go to do pledge campaigns so the finance team could know how many denarii they'd have to work with. No, in the early church, people showed up, they gave what they had, and the ministry got done. That's how the church started. Jesus didn't start his ministry by forming a committee. He simply called 12 guys to follow him. That right there is the difference between organized and organizing, between an institution and a movement. So what happened, Pastor? What happened from the church that Jesus had planned to the church that we have now? Well, as a movement evolves, one of two things happen. Either it fulfills its mission and disbands, or it decides to keep going and turns into an institution. As the church grew, the leaders realized it needed some structure to function. And when it happens, two things used to take place. When you add structure, someone calls a meeting, and there's a disagreement at that meeting. That, in a nutshell, is the history of organized religion as an institution. Everything was going good until someone tried to put a, a, a form it and make it into something different. That movement changed the institution, and then you had meetings and disagreements and committees. I don't believe you, Pastor. Okay, let's go to the Bible. Acts chapter 19, 32 actually describes an early church meeting. This is what it says. I'm not kidding. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some the other. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. That's in your Bible. Anyone ever attend a board meeting like that? The church was an institution. See, it, it became most pronounced after World War II. Once the boys returned home from fighting and got regular jobs in the business world, they decided the best way to run the church was to run it like a business. So they formed administrative boards and divided responsibilities into departments. In other words, they institutionalized the church. And it worked until the late 60s when the authority of institutions began to crumble. So for the last 50-something years, the church has been fighting a losing battle to preserve its organization, sometimes at the expense of doing God's work. Some may ask the question, what's wrong with being organized as a church? Nothing in its most ideal form. But how many churches does that describe? Here's what happens when a movement becomes an institution. A structure is put into place with the initial purpose of sustaining the passion and purpose of that movement. But the more the structure takes hold, the less it focuses on perpetuating the ideals of the movement, and the more it focuses on perpetuating itself. Some big words. There's a lot of syllables, huh? The best example for that is the perennial conflict in almost every church between funding the outreach committee and funding the property committee. The question is, do we take care of others or do we take care of ourselves? 
The early church was about revival. It was there was no building. It was church and homes. It was about fulfilling the mission that Jesus had given them. It was about passionately pursuing it. And all of a sudden, someone got a building. And then when you get a building, then you got to pay for it. And so then it happens that, okay, now we're here in the building. But what do we do? Do we focus those on the outside? Do we focus those on the inside? Do we perpetuate this movement Jesus called to us? Or do we make sure that we're safe and we can keep on going? That's, that is what the difference between being organized and organizing. See, ideally, the answer is you do both. You take care of others and you take care of those on the inside, ourselves. But you can only do both when you have enough money. The church has plenty problems, but enough money usually isn't one of them. And what happens when money gets tighter? Do you give more of it away or do you keep more for yourself? Self-preservation or preservation is human nature. So when someone comes up with a new ministry idea, A lot of times in a lot of churches, the first question is, how much is it going to cost? When a church leads with that question, you can start digging the cemetery plot. When it comes to a new ministry or reaching the lost, if our first question is, how much money will it cost? Somebody start getting the burial plot ready because this church is going to die. The challenges for churches today, C3 included, is to continue to stay organized for the purpose of organizing because you do need both. You can't just be organized and you can't just be only organizing. A church that shuns organization so that they can focus all their energy on praising Jesus will do great until the electric company tells them they're going to have to praise Jesus in the dark because they can't pay their bills. A healthy church today is organized for the purpose of organizing. What do I mean by organizing? I mean finding out the greatest need in our community and organizing ourselves to meet that need. Okay, how can I do this? Do you, do you know what it feels like? Kendall talked about it, what it feels like to have a perfectly clean house. What happens when the kids start moving around? No, 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 don't, don't, don't you touch nothing. Everything is in its place. Put that back, boy. I've just cleaned this. Hey, get out of that closet. Put this away. What happens? As soon as you're 100% organized, you don't want anything to happen. That's what happens in church. As soon as we get 100% organized, we don't want anything to happen. No new ministries. No new families. Don't do anything. We just want it nice and pretty and cute. That's what happens. You know, because they say that, you know, we, we, we made this term, and it's, it's cute that that house isn't dirty, it's lived in. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. That's why I love our house. Now we have two stories. We got a house, like, you walk in, it's like Hoban Gardens. And you walk upstairs, the boys, it's more like, you know, Mad Max beyond the Thunderdome. It's totally different upstairs. But you, but it, you go in, it's like, oh, this is so beautiful. It's color-coordinated, and I can't take credit for none of that, and no, nor did all of that. But upstairs, we keep it clean. But every now and again, you walk in, and upstairs, we have the second living room, and, and we got trucks and toys and bowling pins and books and blankets. And, you know, and mama comes in, lose her mind, ah! And I'm like, baby, let them alone. Well, we'll eventually clean it up. Why? Because if you organize to the point where you can't use anything, you now make no more memories and you lose movement. When a church gets so organized that we can't do anything because, oh, you know, I, I don't want to do this because what, what, what if we spend a little bit too much money? Or what if we try this and it doesn't work? Or what if we bring in some people and, and, and they don't look like us and talk like us and smell like us? I say, good! 
Because this isn't a business. This is a mission. This is what God, now do we have to pay for lights? Yes, I like lights and, and I could scream, but the microphone makes it easier. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, we could, I mean, Todd could bang on some sticks and, and we can get like some drum and, and then like a couple buckets from Home Depot, but I like all this stuff. I mean, we could do church without all this stuff, but how about do church with all this and still stay on mission? That's what I want to do. I want to be organized, but still organizing. I want to have what we have, but I still want to be outward focused towards those that are lost. That's our mission. See, calling people together, share God's love in this world, like Jesus sending out his disciples in our pastors today. I read one of one church that they had in their budget, which I thought was cool. They had in their budget something called a seed fund, like seed, like you, know, you plant seeds. And anyone with a new ministry idea could come to the board and ask for seed money to start the project. I thought that was awesome, is that they built in their budget room for new ministry. Because what happened in other churches? You probably come from churches where, oh, the youth group had to go to conference. Y'all better start doing some spaghetti dinners. When do we become Olive Garden? Why do I got to do spaghetti dinners and wash cars and sell peanut brittle? I'm not a peanut brittle. Jesus didn't die on the cross for peanut brittle. We're trying to sweet out send these kids to youth camp. Why are we doing that? Because we have nothing in the budget for anything that's organizing because we're too organized. It drives me crazy. It's like, oh, you want to do this? Well, y'all better go fund it. So now we got kids washing cars. We got all this stuff. I don't want to be that. I want to have a church that's so forward thinking that we have, you know what, when, when it's time to send all these little kids that run around here to youth, I want to be able to pay for all of that. Right. One parent said, right. <laughs> right. But it's funny because what happens when you look at your teenager, you say, I don't have $150 or $300 to send you to youth camp. What happens? C3, you all blessed some folks in Texas because there were some kids that couldn't go that went because you were able to, to give. And how did you feel when you did that? You, you, didn't, you, you sent me, to, I went to go preach it, but you guys weren't there. But God did awesome things because you actually gave seed. What, how will we feel as a church when actually our kids are the ones that are going to go and we can get blessing because we have, we made room for it. We had that seed fund. I don't know what we're going to call it. A seed fund sounds good to me. But I want to have stuff in there that when ministry opportunities arise, we don't have to ask how much does it cost. We can ask other questions that are more important, like, is that going to be effective? How can we leverage that? How can we make it the best for, for our church, our city? I want those questions. I don't want to lead with, can we afford it? Are y'all good? I'm like yelling and everything. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, really. So this fits the term forward-leaning church. So how can we be a forward-leaning church filled with forward-leaning followers of Jesus? Well, it starts by looking around you. When needs aren't being met, listen, I like good church services as much as anyone. You know, old times it's a good church. We don't even call it church service. We had good church. I like good church because good church services is, is one in which we connect to God and we connect to each other for the purpose of doing God's work. I like good church services. I like feeling God's presence. I like the running, the jumping, the dancing. I like feeling that. But people don't jo join churches to go to meetings. They join churches to experience God, to learn about their faith and to make a difference. So it has to be more than just good church meetings. It has to be more than just us getting together. It has to be more than that. Good church structure facilitates that. Good services, yes. Cultivating leaders and inspiring members to follow Jesus out into their respective mission fields. It has to be more than just good church. 
has to be more than that. Remember, Jesus came to overthrow stagnant, life-draining systems. We have to be intentional about not becoming one of those ourselves. So what does it mean for us individual belongers? Because we're not believers, we're belongers. I used what I did there, right? Tied in from last week. So for us individual belongers and as a church, it might mean deinstitutionalizing our own perspectives. As we continue to seek volunteers for our blossoming ministries, our language needs to move from. Now, I know we're still in the middle of COVID. We, we thought it was going to be over, you know, but we we're still here. But our language needs to move from, I've already served my time, to my church needs me to help them grow in their faith. Because you talk to some churches, when you talk about ministry, they, act like they got out of the penitentiary. I did my time. Woo! It's like you weren't Rikers Island, man. You were, you, were with the, you, you were with the youth, or you were with, you know, I would love to get to the point where we need to have people to direct traffic. I, I can't wait till we have to have 20 of those high-vis vests for y'all to go make sure nobody runs into each other. We got so many people coming in here. But we act like ministry that we serve our time and we're done. Hey, I did that. Now I can go sit in the seat until Jesus comes. That cannot be our language. We need to do de-institutionalize our, our perspectives on church. Here at C3, we'll always have some level of organization. That's inevitable. But the minute the organization keeps us from organizing to do God's work, then we're in big trouble. That's why I love to do stuff that makes church people itchy. I love the fact we got little kids running around, handing me colored stuff in the middle of service. It's all on, on Facebook. I love the fact that you parents get, you get like bright tomato red when the kids get all loud and start moving around. I love that because I don't want to get too organized. I wanted to realize that, hey, this isn't a show. This isn't Broadway. This is, we're not shooting a Netflix series. This is real life. This is church. So I, I, I want the kids to be involved. If they, if they can walk up to the platform while I'm preaching, that means they're not scared of me. That, that means that they look at, that's not just some guy with a beard yelling, that's my pastor and he loves me and I want to go give him something. I want that. I don't want to be so organized that nothing happens. Clean your house all you want to, but sometimes I like a little dirt in the church. See, our responsibility as stewards of God, as good news, is to help people organize in a way that feeds hungry kids, provides hat and gloves to the homeless, throws open the doors of this building in order to welcome all people to the table. We're going to have to deinstitutionalize our perspective. Also, we are going to have to love the mission, not the model. Do you know there was a time when pipe organs, listen to me, pipe organs were cutting edge. That was some stuff right there. Could you believe at one time pipe organs were controversial? I mean, you can still watch TV, some large churches. The pipe organ is larger than this platform. He's like, I don't, I don't want that, man. I don't know how you play it. How do you dance to a pipe organ? I, mean, I don't know. But pipe organs were cutting edge and controversial. How dare you bring that devil's pipe organ in the church? There was a time when Sunday school was the absolute rage in North America. And thousands of people were coming to Jesus through this ministry model. There was a time when bus ministry, you knew you had a thriving church when you had buses. You counted by the tens, 10, 20, 30. We got 40 buses to go pick up kids all around the city. Can I be honest with you? I'm not going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. I would not put my child on a bus and send them to anywhere. That worked good in the 80s. Parents are like, yes, Lord, take them. <laughs> but now, we don't live in the 80s or the 90s. We're in 2021, and folks are crazy. 
I'm not going to let you pull up in some old bus that a school system retired so I can put my children on it so I can let somebody in the youth group drive 35 kids to a church. No, it's not happening. But that was powerful. People grew massive churches through bus ministry. But you got to love the mission, not the model. Because if you want to have a board meeting or you want to get together and try to convince me of a pipe organ in the church, I think you might have missed the boat. Now many churches are moving away from Sunday school and towards some form of small group ministry. The most successful churches that I've ever been in, preached in, or been a part of, do not have pipe organs. They do not have massive Sunday school drives. They do not have the bus ministry. They have what? They have small group ministry. Why? Because it fulfills the needs of the church. And I'm not preaching on small groups right now because uh, this is not the message for it. But if you want, you want me to say, Pastor, what would give us great growth? It's the same thing I told y'all six years ago that we haven't done. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. We tried it, but we were married to our institutionalized perspective that, Pastor, you got to do all the work. I'll come as long as you talk. Where'd I look? I just look at this beautiful little girl here. Hey, Selena. Hey, baby. (laughs) Folks are getting itchy right now. But here's the thing is that we have to love, love, love. I'm telling you, you got to love the mission, but not the model. See, here's what happens. Ministry models often become obsolete, changing as people and culture change. Unfortunately, many churches become obsolete when they marry their models. Now, I'm not talking about changing the message. I'm not talking about changing what, what, what salvation is for our dispensation. What I'm changing is, is we can't be in love with, if you love stonewashed jeans, go ahead and wear them. But stonewashed jeans have been out a long time ago. If you want to walk, walk the mullet, visit in the front, party in the back, rock it. Probably not top 10 hairdos now. But people will marry. They'll stop evolving. That's why it's good men to have a wife and at a certain age, just let them dress you. Just let them dress you. Because I know I'm going to offend everybody that is over 60. I'm sorry. But I told my son, if you let me out the house with black socks up to here and Velcro uh, shoes and some crazy shorts with a cardigan, I want to beat you to death with my cane. You better not let me go out like that. Somebody lied to somebody going out the house like that. Do not let. Why? Because somewhere that, that, that was, that's, that's cool. It might be comfy, but it ain't cool. See, too many churches are doing what's comfortable, but it's not what's needed. I don't want to do church like the 80s. I don't want to go back to brush arbors and sawdust. I like heating and air. I don't want that. I, what I want is this. I want to be organized, but still organizing. See, churches that endure remain effective are married to the mission, not the ministry model. So let's agree together not to get so caught up in maintaining the institution that we forget that Jesus called us and, and, and is calling us to be a movement for wholeness in this fragmented world. That world doesn't need another committee meeting. It needs the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And guess what? That's us. That's you and I. The world needs us. So I was looking at it here. There's, if you want to talk about, well, Pastor, how do we get all this together? I'll give it to you really quick. There's, how do we get from, from here to there? In every successful church, regardless of denomination, whether you agree with what they preach or not, they have basically five buckets, five avenues. Um, 
that if, if you fulfill each one of them well, you will have success. So one is strategy. So how do we accomplish the mission? The next will be systems. The systems is, is how do we streamline what to do and improve our effectiveness? Then you have the people, who's on the team and, and what's their role? Then they got the buildings, is where, where do we do what we do? And then the vision is, is where are we heading to? So those five things, a strategy, system, people, buildings, vision, all those five are important. If you take away one, you're going to have less success. If you take away two, even less. So here's the thing is that people get in the wrong order. I said strategy, systems, people, buildings, vision, but that's not the most important. The most important in the right order is people. Then it has to be vision. Then strategy, then systems and buildings. Don't write this down. You can go watch it on Facebook later. Just pay attention. <laughs> you have people. <laughs> So people, vision, strategy, systems, believers. So let me, let me define some stuff for you. Vision is where we are going. Strategies are the steps that's going to take us there. That's the difference. See, healthy churches are built around people God calls pursuing a vision he demands. So I believe we have the people. So which goes to the whole thing. Is I preached about this years ago, and shame on me for not talking about it before. But what is the mission of C3? I don't know. Shame on me. It should be a point where I ask you the mission and everybody says the same thing. Same thing. But the reason it's so quiet in here, even the air is cut off. You know I'm in the South when I don't say turned off. It's get cut off. <laughs> cut it on. Cut it off. Oh, that's the Southern talk right there. See? I'll get Southern if you want me to. But the mission of C3 is to help people discover who they are in Christ equipping them to do the work of the ministry and releasing them for the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. The whole thing is to help people discover who they are, discover, equip, and release. That's the mission. Help people discover who they are in Christ, equip them uh, to do the work of the ministry, and then release them so they can fill their purpose and plan that God's put in their life. That is the mission. That is everything. So everything we do needs to be built around that mission. It's not about, hey, what sermon series are you going to get, Pastor? Why do I do all these sermon series? Can I let you know on a secret? Just don't tell anybody. I'm giving you an excuse to invite somebody you've already invited it before. Because if I never did series, and I, if, let's just say I was trying to get Mason to church. Mason, you want to come to church? No, man, I'm good. All right. A month later, I'm like, hey, Mason, you want to come to my church? No, man. Hey, Mason. Um, you probably don't want to or nothing, but, you know, I'm supposed to ask because I'm supposed to be evangelizing and all. Would you like to come to church? No, man. If I say, hey, man, Mason, I know I invited you last year, but hey, we're starting this new series, man. It's called Because. It's Becoming, and it's Becoming Who We're Meant to Be. Would you like to come? No, I'm good. Okay. February, we got a new, we got a new sermon series. Hey, you won't believe it. We're going to talk about the unperfect family. We're getting real about what's going on in our homes. Hey. What? Oh, yeah. Pastor's even going to preach. Uh, uh, this is this true stuff right here. It's a true story. I'm actually going to preach a message, what, what men and women really want. Um, and we'll hope that your kids color half the service. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I ain't scared of none of y'all. I'm going to do it. That will get people to church. But you say, come to church. Why? Oh, we're just going to jump around and sing some songs and someone's going to preach and scream a little bit. Okay, what about next week? Same thing. Next week, same thing. And next week, same thing. I am preaching sermon series to give you an excuse to invite the same people to church because maybe they don't want about becoming, but maybe their house is a hot mess. And I start talking about something in February to say, you know, I need that. Are you leveraging sermon series? Don't say nothing. Don't say no. Look straight ahead. So here's the thing is that how do we put this whole thing together, our mission? We get the whole thing. Do you know the three words? 
Gather, grow, go. That's our elevator speech. What is an elevator speech? If Matt and I were in the elevator and he said, hey, man, what is C3 all about? And I'm going from floor two to one. It's gather, grow, go. I can tell you the time it takes to get one floor to another. But now if I take my elevator speech and you give me 30 seconds, now you give me three minutes, I can tell you a little bit more. If you give me 30 minutes, I can tell a bit more. If you give me three weeks, I can preach a sermon series on it. But you need to be able to communicate that. So who are we? And I'm trying to finish this up. But gathering, gathering is having a place to belong as well as an opportunity to express adoration in God, uh, to God um, in worship. Having a place to belong. Does that sound familiar? It didn't say have a place to believe. It didn't say have a place of membership. The gathering is to give people, have a place where people feel they belong and the opportunity to experience God in worship. I think we do good at that. What about grow? Become fully equipped for kingdom success through discipleship and learning to use the tools and service to God at the local church. So that fits back to mission is how are we equipping people? You're gathering for worship, but are you growing? Like that old Baptist preacher said, I love it. I wish we had more visitors. I could say, hey, turn to your visitor and ask them, do you grow where you go? I like that. If the answer is no, stop going. I know all kind of people say, man, I, don't, I go to this church, but I don't get nothing out of it. Not this church, praise God. Not C3. They say, I go to this church. I go to that church. I don't even like it. My kids don't like it. I don't like it. Don't get nothing out of it. Don't feel nothing. It's boring. Why are you going? Oh, because you're organized. That's why. Nice and neat and pretty. Because if I leave, you know, someone will say something. But if you're not growing where you're going, what are you doing? Would you continue to go to a doctor's office if you, if you never got attention? Well, I've, I've been going to this doctor for 20 years. They don't do nothing but take my money. All I do is pay my copay. They don't help me at all. But I'm going back next week. Hello? That sounds ridiculous. But that's what people do every week. They go to church and the church says, take my money. I don't get nothing out of it. Stop going. Go where you can grow. And the last part is the going. Are we going? Fulfilling the Great Commission by winning souls and being actively involved in ministry with regards to the area of your gifting. I will not ask you to go in an area you're not gifted. Nobody's going to ask me to run the cameras. Facebook Live would be straight up at the ceiling. I don't know how to do nothing. Down the floor. Nobody's going to ask me, Pastor, would you like to watch the infants? No. <laughs> I love them. I pray for them. Bless them all in Jesus' name. Why? Because that's not my area of gifting. There's some people that like the baby whisper. They just grab the baby. Yes. Hand it back. Nah. And they just grab it. It's like, all right, stop. There's people that have that gifting. Nobody's going to ask me to sing. No, no, you don't want to do that. No. Why are you saying that? Because I need to say it about me because there's some people that, that, that think they can work in every ministry and that's not true. God has gifted you in an area. Now, what would happen if, if I would love to be with the kids but I'm not gifted for that? I'd be working outside my gifting. So we need to understand that not everybody's qualified for everything, not because, oh, pastor's got favorites. No, I just, I don't want three JTs on this stage playing music. Is that all right? It's hard to swallow, but that's truth. So here's the thing is the mission of C3, the mission of the church, as you stand with me, I'm going to give you some hope. As you stand with me, 
We can't be so organized. What is organized? Oh, Pastor, I don't have to worry about me. Yes, I do. What happens if you come in and somebody sat in your seat? I just can't worship God if I'm on the side of the room. That sounds crazy. What, what, what do we do? We do it all the time. Now, the larger this church gets, it's, we're going to see some of these problems. It's humorous right now, Sean. It's funny. But just wait till we get bigger and people will bring like seven Bibles to church so they can save some seats, you know. <laughs> oh, this front row is mine. You got, I got a visitor come in. They want to sit. You can't sit there. No, no. No, all this is full. All this is full. What, 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 what are we doing? We're organized. What, what, what if somebody comes in and it's a visitor and they start unwrapping a Subway sandwich eating halfway through my preaching? Yes, yeah, man's like, yes, Lord, we need to all do that. Look, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've seen some wild stuff. I see, I've, I've had a person come to church because there was somebody outside that was going to beat them up. And we let them stay the whole time. I mean, and the guy was outside in the parking lot looking through the glass doors. <laughs> he sat on the front row, behaved himself, preached to him. I'm not going to tell him out to go outside. I'm sure he's not going to help the other guy jump him into a gang either. I'm, <laughs> I mean, but I've had all kinds of folks. I've had people come when I'm preaching and in the altar and just do all kind of stuff and yelling and screaming, people vomiting. I've seen it all. I've seen a, a person that comes in and sits in your chair is the least of our worries. I've seen people come in that, that they were demon-possessed, scare half the church out. Where's the power of God? Pastor, you deal with it. I don't want to jump it on me. Appreciate it. But what happens? Has anybody seen that here? No, we're too pretty. We're too organized. They know that stuff going to come in here. Ooh, that wasn't fair. I'm sorry. That was cheap shot. We're too organized. Why do we need to have prayer and worship and the power of God here? Because anything that comes to the door needs to be ministered to. We're not special. It's not us versus them. And I know we say it and I've said it, but man, I watched a video and if it was in English, I would have sent it to all of y'all. It was the best video I've seen in three years sent to everybody that speaks Spanish. It was powerful. And, and, and this, it was a conference speaker and he's walking through this and it's all about, uh, about believers. And he said what kind of believer he is and he, was he said, stop calling the people outside secular. Stop dividing the church, the church in the secular world. Stop dividing it. It's us and those we have to reach. Stop putting a label like you don't want to be around them, like, you, like, like, like there's some kind of disease. We're, we're supposed to be reaching them, not separating ourselves from them. So here's the thing, is if we're going to be organizing, which means actually moving with the I-N-G, that means we're doing something. Organize is past tense, all, all pretty and cute. Organizing means we're going to have to do some things. Here's the deal is that most people do really good in one of the three areas in the gather, grow, go. People have no problem gathering. There's some people don't go to church but want to go. They're like, Lord, I ain't sending you, man. You're a, you're a mess. You have no idea what you're doing. People just want to go, go, go. It's like, how about, how about gather and do some growing? Then you have the people that are the most dangerous in the church. And brother, they're everywhere. They're the growers. 
the forever learning and never doing. The forever studying, always criticizing, never reaching. I am not against growth, but if all you do is grow to be smarter than somebody else, to make them feel stupid, and you never do and obey the Great Commission, you are in danger. I want to have a church that gathers and feels the power of God. We worship, we belong, and then we grow together, and then we go together. So here's the thing, is that if we do that, if, if we have a powerful gathering, you don't have to be a good soul winner. Just get him in the door. See, that's the difference between being a team and having a church of individuals. Is that if you can get them in the door, maybe you're not a worshiper, maybe you're just kind of cool and calm, but you can, you can bring people in like nobody's business. You bring them in, and we'll put them in the atmosphere of worship, and God will start to do stuff. And, and then what, you know what happened? Is they'll start to feel God, and, and then we have such a nice church that somebody will grab a hold of them make, and make friends. And, but that, that's soul winning. Soul winning is not reading the Bible to them in a Walmart parking lot. Soul winning isn't telling them how messed up they are. Soul winning is saying, you know what? Is I would love for you to come and experience God. Hey, would you like to go to church? No, I'm tired of church. Good, because I'm tired of church too. Where we, where we are, we don't do church. We, we experience God. Hey, hey well, you want to come and hear a sermon? No, no. Hey, you know what? You won't believe what pastor half crazy. We're praying for him still. But he's going to be talking about unperfect families. He's admitting that every single one of us is unperfect in some way, and he's going to minister to that. You know, I, I, I can do that. So here's the thing is, are we gathering, growing and going, or are we gathering and hoping somebody else will grow and go? 2021, Pastor, I don't know what we're going to do with all this COVID. I, you know what? Y'all are here. Y'all are here. We can get some other folks. So th this wasn't supposed to be my, my vision, my, my message all this vision and mission and but I've done a very very poor job of communicating why we're here I've done a very very poor job if, if if everything rises and falls on leadership it's my fault that you can't tell me what the mission is it's my fault why you can't give me the elevator speech sum up c3 in three words gather grow go it's my fault and I can't expect you to do something that I don't communicate so I'm not going to say I'm sorry, but I'm going to say I apologize. I apologize for doing you an injustice. But this year, we are doing better. I said we're doing better in reading the Bible. We're doing better in worship. We're doing better in prayer. And we're going to get back on mission. So we're not married to the model. You're going to do it different than I do it. But you know what? If someone comes and experiences God, gets baptized in Jesus' name, get, receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who cares how we did it? So, what do you say? If you're like me, and are ready to get back on the mission, ready to go a little past just coming to church and, oh, we're doing good, but you really want to start experiencing God and watching others experience God too, as Todd sings, would you pray? And would you pray with me? That, that what God started in us, that fire won't die, but it will keep growing so others can experience the warmth of God's love as well. What do you say? Can we find a place to pray?